Two key metrics suggesting that Donald Trump may already be winning the 2020 election are voter registration numbers and early voting and absentee ballot numbers. Right now, we're supposed to be seeing Democrats with a slight advantage in voter registration numbers. But the Republicans have been closing the gap in many very important states, suggesting Donald Trump is on track to win Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina. Now, I say on track, we don't know what's going to happen. This video is about what might happen based on early numbers, which will absolutely change. But there's one thing I can't say definitively. Either the predictions were wrong or the polling was wrong. Because in at least one state, early voting data shows Republicans outnumber Democrats. Whoa, wait a minute. How could that be? Democrats are the ones who vote early and vote by mail. So they're outnumbering Republican voters in most states and in many swing states. But in Michigan, Republicans outnumber Democrats, suggesting either the polling itself was wrong, suggesting Joe Biden had several points above Trump, a lead above Trump, or the predictions that Democrats would be voting early and by mail are wrong. I don't think that's the case. I think the polls are actually wrong. Now, when we look at a lot of the early voting data, which I'm going to go through and I'm going to show you, it's hard to predict anything. But I think we can say it seems like Trump is on track to win Michigan. There is reason to believe Trump is on track to lose Pennsylvania. But when you then factor in voter registration data, it's a toss up. In which case, Trump is doing better than anyone expected him to right now. And even Nate Silver is saying something looks weird with this because we're seeing way more Democrats vote than Democrats who requested absentee ballots when it comes to voting by mail, suggesting they have a very high velocity of voter turnout right now, making it seem like they have a huge advantage. But that velocity is going to slow down and Republicans are going to vote in person in droves. Let me just break this down for you. What I'm trying to say is it seems like on election night, there may not be a large enough Democrat lead in order to say that Trump needs to wait to declare victory that it's already looking pretty good for Trump in many ways. And then on November 3rd, Trump will get a massive influx of in-person votes. And then no amount of remaining ballots is going to put Joe Biden over the edge. I don't know for sure. We're a couple weeks out. I'm just saying people are pointing out the data and saying, whoa, this looks bad for Democrats. You better start worrying now. There's one big advantage. With the early voting and absentee voting, both Democrats and Republicans can see their weak points and adjust. And this means if you're a Democrat, you better start getting out that vote in Michigan because you're losing. And if you're a Republican, you better get out that vote in Pennsylvania because, well, you're losing based on early voting metrics, but not registration metrics, which is weird. But either way, y'all better get out, get people to vote before it's too late. Now, I have the story here from Time, which I find very, very fascinating. I'm going to show you before we get into the hard numbers, how a road trip through America's battlegrounds revealed a nation plagued by misinformation. Is that it? Is that the explanation why Trump is doing better than you realized? You know, it reminds me of that Skinner, you know, Principal Skinner meme where he's like, am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. Maybe if all of these journalists, they're polling, if it keeps getting things wrong, maybe it's you that lives in wacko, you know, magic land of paranoid delusions. But in this story, this this writer says that she found what what's going on across this country, a ton of people voting for Trump, 
You can't measure it in polls, perhaps. And that says to me, maybe the polls are just way, way wrong. She goes on to say that most people don't care about the major headlines. I think we might be on track for a Trump victory. And, 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 if, and if it is true that Democrats are voting early and Republicans are still winning in Michigan, Trump may be about to win a landslide in a key battleground state. I'm going to show you the experts' opinions. So don't take my word for it. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box if you'd like to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video for one important reason. Well, I mean, look, you can help me out by sharing the video. But the important reason is you're going to get some key insights here into how things are going with early voting. Okay, and that means, like I said, if you're Democrat or Republican, you're going to see those weak points and you better go out and tell people to vote. This this information is be very, very important to light a fire under people figuratively to get them active, get them ready. And we are on track, according to many different metrics, to see a historic voter turnout which is extremely good news for Democrats. But let's read this because there's a lot going on. How a road trip through America's battlegrounds revealed a nation plagued by misinformation. I'll only read a little bit here, and then I want to show you some numbers. Here's what they say. They go on to mention a guy who says, we got a guy trying not to die, and we've got Trump. Of course, the guy trying not to die is Joe Biden. So the writer then contacted this individual following Trump's diagnosis, didn't care. Van Landa, Van Landegam was unfazed. I think it's unfortunate, he said, after I called him back on his opinion of the latest updates. But it's something that a vast majority of the population is going to come down with at one point or another. He still isn't considering voting for Biden. I wasn't surprised. How voters are processing Trump's behavior at this fractured moment may be the most important question of the 2020 election. Jumping down. The more people I met, the more I detected something deep and unpredictable lurking beneath the surface something that I wasn't sure was reflected in the polling data, something that maybe couldn't even be measured at all. My phone was filling up with news, wildfires, Trump calling fallen soldiers losers or suckers, the death toll from COVID, news of Trump's admitting to journalist Bob Woodward on tape. He intentionally downplayed the virus, purportedly to avoid causing panic. But almost nobody seemed to be talking about these headlines. And when I asked about them, People often didn't believe them or didn't care. I felt caught in the chasm between the election as it was being reported by my colleagues in the press and the election as it was being experienced by the voters. This person didn't say Trump voters felt this way. This 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 writer is saying people feel this way. I see the fake news all day, every day. I try my best to debunk it and, 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 and tear through this. Maybe this person's lying. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If the average person across this country doesn't care about the news, then all their smears and all their polls could not do anything to change people's minds. That means people are getting their information elsewhere. And that means the polls are probably wrong. And that means to me, Donald Trump is on, Donald Trump is on track to win. Now let's talk about this data from Daily Mail. They say at least 22 million early election ballots have already been cast. And experts predict that 150 million could could vote in the biggest turnout since 1908. They say more than 22 million Americans have already cast their ballots in the election, a record shattering avalanche. It represents 16 percent of all votes cast in 2016. Election experts predict that a record 150 million votes may be cast and turnout rates could be higher than in any presidential election since 1908. Democrats are outvoting Republicans by a two to one ratio in the 42 states included. Now, that may, may sound bad for, for Trump, 
Democrats voting two to one. It's actually not. That's entirely predictable. And if we're going off the actual uh, predictions by, say, the 538, other pollsters, that's exactly what we, do, we, we would expect. The real bad news for Republicans, and this is serious bad news, is the massive voter turnout. Look, I don't know how many people have had a fire lit and un, uh, lighted under them in order to go out and vote for Trump. But I can tell you the left really, really doesn't like the guy. But let's go back to what I mentioned from Time magazine as to why I highlighted that story. If this person is traveling across the country and no one cares about the mainstream news headlines, then it would seem that maybe the massive voter turnout is actually for Trump. Now, that would be interesting. Here's what I'm saying. Even though right now Democrats are outvoting Republicans two to one, they're expecting a massive voter turnout later later on down the road. That could suggest that all of this fake news is not making people hate Trump. In fact, it may backfire. People like me, maybe I'm sick and tired of it. But I've got some data I want to show you, notably from Nate Silver, who explains the bad news with Democrats two to one ratio. It's, it's a little complicated to break down, but but bear with me. This is really important stuff. And then I want to show you Trump's winning in Michigan already. Nate Silver says so far returned mail ballots are D plus 31. Not a surprise given what polls show, whereas the set of mail ballots that have been requested but not yet returned are only D plus 17. Why does this matter? If, as the data shows, Democrats are returning their ballots sooner then mail ballots cast closer to election day, which in many states will also be counted later, may not be as Democrat as mail ballots overall. They could even wind up being right leaning conceivably. Let me stop right there and break this down simply. That means there's something called the red mirage. On November 3rd, they say Trump will win in a landslide, but then ballots will come in for Joe Biden swinging the election in Biden's favor. Based on this from Nate Silver, what they're actually saying, what he's showing is that ballots counted on or after election day might actually be right leaning. That means if on election night Trump wins, he might be able to actually declare victory because the ballots expected to come in are the remaining Republican ballots. To put it simply, what we are seeing right now is Democrats firing off all of their ammo at once in a big burst. Now, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion. It just matters for the prediction models. The number of votes will be the number of votes. If 75 million vote Biden and 72 vote Trump, well, then Biden's going to win the national popular vote. We'll see how the electoral, the electoral college plays out. But this will change the game as it pertains to the red mirage. This data now suggests we should not expect a massive influx of Democratic votes after election night. So election night becomes increasingly more important, and we may actually know the results on election night. Nate says this means there might not be as much of a blue shift in states with late counted mail ballots, especially ballots that arrive after election day in states that allow that, as people might assume. Also keep in mind, I'm sorry, also keep in mind, I'm assuming that that in the world in which this race is close enough for this to matter is probably a world in which Trump has made a fairly big comeback to close the race to say Biden plus five. If there's Late movement toward Trump, late received mail ballots might not be so blue at all. Anyway, when it comes to vote counting and the timing of when states are called or what the results look like on a given point on November 3rd, 4th, etc., people are actually oversimplifying when they talk about mail votes, Democrat versus in-person votes, Republican. There are five tranches. He says, one, early arriving mail votes are very Democrat. 
late arriving mail votes, probably somewhat Democrat, hard to say. Early in-person votes are Democrat. Er, uh, In-person election day votes, very Republican. Provisional ballots, traditionally Democrat, but hard to say this year. In certain states, some of these distinctions may collapse if early in-person votes are counted simultaneously with election day in-person votes. But overall, there are a lot of moving parts and which tranches are counted at which time will differ from state to state. I have to show you that because the next bit of data is going to be a bit crazy. I'm showing you this target early from Target Smart. My understanding is that Target Smart is fairly Democrat. I'm not I'm not entirely sure who funds them or what their goal is. We're going to do this. We're going to go to state and we are going to go to Michigan, one of the most important states in this election. Now, this is what is sending shockwaves among progressives and Democrats. If, as Nate Silver is saying, returned ballots are D plus 31 on average. Well, then we should see Democrats winning across the board. And if in-person voting will favor Republicans and uh, late counted mail votes will be somewhat Democrat, I show you this data. They show us uh, the, uh, the past three elections, 2016, 18 and 2020. We can see that the midterm elections aren't as uh, favored by most people. But check this out. Right now, Democrats for 2020, 38.1%. Republicans, 40.4%. Wait, 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 wait. This is crazy. With They say in Michigan, voters have cast 27.5% of the total votes counted statewide in the 2016 general election. Republicans are beating Democrats in early and absentee voting. That's not supposed to happen in almost every single state. Democrats lead because, as Nate Silver said, early voting and early mail-in voting is heavily Democrat. Early mail-in voting is D plus 31, meaning 31. That's a two to one. Remember the data I showed you in the beginning? Two to one votes, Democrat to Republican. Yet in a key swing state, it's not true. If everything I said plays out, and I'm not one of these expert forecasters, I'm just reading the same as you then I could say, based on this, either the polls are wrong or the predictions were wrong. I kind of think the polls were wrong. Take a look at this from 538. This is their aggregate polling for Michigan. Presidential general election yesterday, Biden, 54% to Trump's 43%. Biden plus 11. We have SurveyMonkey with Biden up eight. Another from SurveyMonkey, Biden up eight. Trafalgar Group has Trump up one. Now, that might be right. And Harris X, I'm sorry, that's 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 not uh, that's Senate race. On October 15th, Biden was leading across the board. Survey Monkey, RMG Research, Civics and Epic MRA all have Biden way, way up. How could that be? If it's true that Democrats vote early, that means Michigan might be a landslide state for Donald Trump. Now, I can't tell you about these other states because I'll tell you this. If we go to Target Smart, and we look at Pennsylvania is where things get scarier for Republicans because it is massive. Democrats in early voting in Pennsylvania are D plus 50. 50. Now that is massive and really good news for Democrats. Let me show you something over here. 538 says Biden is favored to win. Trump wins 12 out of 100. 12% chance to win, they're saying. But take a look at this. There's only one scenario 
where where 538 says Trump can win without Pennsylvania. And he needs a bunch of other states. This is why I don't think it's actually that bad relative to Trump winning Michigan. Now, in, in, in one scenario, Trump doesn't need Michigan, but he does need Pennsylvania. It looks like right now, Trump might be in early voting data, very, very early. I have no idea what's going to happen. He's doing well in Michigan. And, and, and keep in mind, these are Republicans returning votes, not necessarily guaranteed votes for Trump. It's just, it's just how we're trying to predict things. So if Trump doesn't win Pennsylvania, but does win Michigan, he can still win. And I'll tell you why it's actually, it's actually better for Republicans, all of this data. Carl uh, Quintanilla uh, is a uh, CNBC, NBC News, Wall Street Journal alumni, and he tweets, JP Morgan's Mark O. Kolanovich says changes in voter party affiliation is a significant variable in predicting the voting outcomes in certain states. What is the current change in voter registration over the past four years in swing states? The implication is Trump will win Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina. Now, look, we're mixing metrics here. I can't tell you definitively what will happen. I can just tell you that Michigan's results sent shockwaves through many people on Twitter when they were like, whoa, what's happening? Democrats can't be doing this bad in a key swing state now. Trump is doing that well in Michigan. It makes sense. Trump brought back the auto industry. I can't tell you, man, how many people in Michigan probably cry at night when they realize all of those good things from Michigan, a once booming industry, Rust Belt state were gone and Trump lived up to his promise. I remember that that statement put out by Michael Moore that Donald Trump said to those auto execs, I will slap a tariff on your car 20, 30 percent and no one will ever buy from you again. And they basically said, try us. And Trump did it. He did it. That vote was the biggest F you. And those factories came back. The people of Michigan know this. They also know what it's like being under Gretchen Whitmer. This key swing state now firmly in Trump's pocket. So we predict we'll see Trump might actually come out in bad shape in many of these states. Like I mentioned, Pennsylvania not looking too good for Trump. Check this out. Early voter turnout in Pennsylvania is 30 points higher than it was in 2018 and in 2016. Now that's crazy. And here's what's significant. Republican voter data is half. It's actually more than that. It's 26 points less than 2018 and 2016. Republicans in Pennsylvania, where are you at? Now I'm going to stop right there and say, listen, I still think it's just bad news for Democrats because here's why. Donald Trump told Republicans, vote in person, vote in person. Now that doesn't explain why the early voters aren't coming out. It does explain why maybe absentee and mail-in votes, uh, mail-in votes aren't turning out. Maybe that come election day, the Republicans in Pennsylvania terrified they're going to lose their vote by voting another way, show up in person where Nate, Server, Nate, Nate Silver says it will be very Republican. Well, I don't know for sure. I'm not going to, I can't speculate all too much. I can just say right now, Republicans, you better be panicked over this data. Democrats leading significantly percentage wise. But like I said, registration data suggests Trump wins PA, Florida and North Carolina. Many people have stated that voter registration better predicts what's going to happen. And let me show you something in Florida. The Florida Republicans close registration gap with Democrats to historically narrow margin. That's that's big news. I think Trump's going to win Florida. Keeping in mind, when I go back to these 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 predictions by 538, 
Trump needs Florida in every win- winnable scenario. So what does that necessarily mean? If Trump wins Florida, and I think it's likely, especially considering got a lot of people in Florida who do not like socialism, that's probably in the bag. We'll see how everything else plays out. Now, I went through all the other states and they all track very predictably. Democrats are up in early voting and absentee by reasonable numbers. That makes it hard to actually predict anything. But I would say based on the Michigan numbers, Trump's at least got that one in the bag. And I'll tell you what, man, across the board, Republicans have been doing way better in closing the gap. Check this out. Axios reported this on August 4th. The voter registration gap between Democrats and Republicans has narrowed in some of these key states, according to Trump victory and Axios review of those states records. But it has a lot to do with voters switching parties or dropping out of the electorate, not necessarily a huge surge of new voters registering as Republicans, nor indicating new Trump voters, according to Dave Wasserman of the Cook Political Report. I want to highlight something over with the, with the PA numbers. Unaffiliated voters are really, really low as well. So Trump and Republicans are not getting new voters. And if across the board, Trump is registering more people, I believe we are going to see way more Republican votes than normal on election day with in-person voting. That's why the number, in my opinion, is probably so low right now, because it doesn't make sense. Trump's probably going to get the same amount of votes he's going to get. I can't imagine a scenario where I got to be honest, where Trump loses Pennsylvania. You know why? Because Joe Biden has said over and over and over again, and so has Kamala Harris, they, they would ban fracking. They would ban it. They would. It's obsolete. They would phase it out. And then Joe Biden tries saying, now, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But these people don't care about the headlines. That's why I showed you the story from Time magazine. If people across this country do not care for the headlines, Joe Biden can say whatever he wants. We've seen the videos on on, on Twitter. We've seen the videos on Twitter. It doesn't mean anything. Trump getting these these big gains in voter registration and in a key swing state. I'm thinking we're seeing really good news for Trump. Now, look, to be fair, anyone can take this data and give their opinion and analysis and frame it as positive for for Joe Biden. So keep that in mind. That's why I wanted to show you PA is looking good for Democrats. I don't know what it means. Means Democrats might actually win. That flies in the face of what I know about the Pennsylvania voters, about Philadelphia. So I don't really believe it, especially with what's going on with Sean Parnell up in Pittsburgh. I feel, I feel, not think, I feel like Pennsylvania is going Trump, but that data is significant. So you better get out and get that vote. Let me tell you what's going on with uh, Joe Biden, however. Wall Street donors line up behind Biden in massive third quarter fundraising hall. Two main points here. Joe Biden is the establishment candidate. He's the candidate of the war machine. He's the candidate of big corporations. He is the candidate of Wall Street. So how are we seeing the Occupy Wall Street type leftists backing this guy? Not every single Occupy Wall Street activist, you know, came out in favor of, uh, of, of the left. Some went to Trump, some went right because of the populist message, ending the free trade agreements and helping the American worker. But look at Bernie Sanders getting behind Joe Biden, the candidate of Wall Street. That's weird, isn't it? Bernie Sanders says the billionaires, the billionaires trying to swing our elections. Uh, bro, the billionaires are propping up your buddy Biden. That to me says a lot about what's going on. The establishment has lost control of the narrative. Time magazine says it across this country. People just don't care. They don't want to hear it. They're losing control and trying to censor new information that makes Biden look bad. Joe Biden, the Democrats have already been panicking over information being released and now confirmation from multiple sources 
The laptop is real. The emails are real. Joe Biden, it would seem, was using his son as an intermediary to make money off his position. The establishment is pissed and they're doing everything to steal back the White House and the U.S. government. I don't know if it's going to work, though, because the American people are pissed off, too. That Michigan numbers, man, those Michigan numbers suggest Trump is 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 already winning. I mean, he's doing better than anyone would have expected in that state. But like, like I said, man, maybe it was absurd for anyone to think that the polls were in Michigan were accurate. So let me say this. Right now, what we're seeing in early voting is ridiculously good news for Trump and the Republicans. But the polling still shows Biden, the latest poll, up 11 points. Could it be wrong? I think it can be. And when you consider what Trump has done for Michigan with the auto factories and bringing back industry, it was it was a multi-billion dollar reinvestment. By, I think it was Ford brought 3000 new jobs back to Michigan. Were we supposed to assume that that tremendous action, historical action was going to hurt Trump and help Biden? That makes no sense. Not at all. I would say based off that alone, it's obvious to anybody thinking like, oh, people are going to vote for Trump in a landslide. But the polling says Biden landslide. Maybe the polls are wrong. Early voting says Trump landslide. If the polls are wrong there, what if the polls are wrong everywhere else? I have no idea. I think the polls are wrong, though. I can't trust any of this stuff. I have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe the early voting data is wrong, too. Maybe none of it makes sense. And you just wasted 25 minutes hearing me speculate and opine on early voting data. I have no idea. Have fun. Enjoy it. We got about what? <coughs> Sorry, 17. So I'm laughing too much. 16, 17 days until uh, uh, the election. Let me wrap up with one final very important thought. It may be based on the data we're seeing and what Nate Silver has said. Ignore, ignore Michigan, ignore Pennsylvania, ignore the early voting data. What did Nate Silver say? D plus 31 now and D plus 17 outstanding suggests after election day, it may actually be that mail-in votes will be Republican. So if Trump wins on the third, Trump wins. It's going to be a weird one. It's coming up soon. We're going to have a big old party. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. for the next segment. And I will see you all then. Democrats, beware. They are slow rolling you. And I warned about this. The story about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden is being released very slowly to catch you in a trap. And it's working. Already, I have a ton of people commenting on the previous stories about Joe and Hunter Biden's and, and the email scandal. I have people commenting saying, oh, well, I can explain it with this, that and this. I, Joe, Joe was not involved. I mean, this is all on Hunter Biden. Here it is. Source on alleged Hunter Biden email verifies message about Chinese investment firm. Sources have told Fox News, quote, the big guy is a reference to the former vice president. Two big things here. Not only is it now confirmed from multiple sources that the emails found in the laptop are legitimate, but that Joe Biden himself, according to this report from Fox News, <laughs> assuming they don't retract it later, confirms Joe Biden was using his son, or I should say Joe Biden's son was holding equity in Joe Biden's name. Essentially, I got to be very careful on language here. It would seem that Joe Biden uses his son as an intermediary so that when he does these business dealings, Joe can profit from it and then say, that's just my son. Question. 
Why did Joe Biden fly Hunter Biden on Air Force Two to China for a private equity deal? Why should Hunter Biden be allowed to profit off of U.S. taxpayer money? You want to have a conversation about Donald Trump and his family? Sure, I get it. We're talking about Biden. I know maybe I'm just biased, but let me tell you, I've had a lot of people respond. So, so let, let me slow down. They're commenting on all these stories I've posted saying, well, you, you know, uh, Joe Biden's not involved. You know, Hunter Biden's the one who did it. Then this story drops. Turns out mm, Joe Biden's involved. The emails are legitimate. All of your excuses are, are BS and say, well, you know, Trump is, is profiting, too. And, and Trump is a shill. Maybe. Sure. Joe Biden's been office for, been in office for 47 years. Trump four. We can complain about what Trump what Trump has done and what he's not doing. It's only been four. It's not even been a full four years yet. So we can have a conversation about it. But Joe Biden, 47 years. And it appears that he made himself wealthy through public funds. I mean, think about it. Middle class working Scranton Joe is now worth millions of dollars. And his son was getting paid $83,000 from the board of Burisma. Seems to be that uh, it's all it's 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 all confirmed. I'll tell you this. Like I warned you, Democrats, they're slow rolling you. You know what's going to happen next? Keep talking. Keep talking because more emails are going to come out. More photos are going to come out. And then what are you going to say? Oops. I mean, oh, there's no excuse. They've got you trapped. And Giuliani says 10 days before the election, they're going to publish evidence on Joe Biden. Maybe it'll be a big nothing burger, but I'm telling you right now, we've already got it. So I don't know what else they could possibly have, but let me just break it down for you. Sources have told Fox News, quote, the big guy is a reference to the former vice president in emails. They say that Hunter Biden was going to be holding equity for, quote, the big guy. Holding equity for him. Did Joe Biden know about this? Okay, maybe that's their next excuse. The next excuse is going to be, well, that's just, you know, Hunter Biden trying to take care of his family. Joe didn't know anything about it. What's the next email? Joe Biden saying, make sure they hold equity for me. I would not be surprised. Well, of course, the response now that we're getting from the establishment media is that Rudy Giuliani is a drunkard that he's a victim of Russian in, uh, intelligence operation. And now the feds are investigating whether or not this is an intelligence operation from a foreign adversary and not Joe Biden himself. Isn't this enough to say Joe Biden should be under very serious investigation? Yes. Will he? No, because the crony establishment is protecting itself. Trump is, is, is I think Trump is bad for a lot of reasons, but he is not part of the crony establishment. Here's a story from Fox News. One of the people on an explosive email thread allegedly involving Hunter Biden has corroborated the veracity of the messages, which appear to outline a payout for former Vice President Joe Biden as part of a deal with a Chinese energy firm. One email dated May 13th, 2017, and obtained by Fox News, includes a discussion of remuneration packages for six people in a business deal with a Chinese energy firm. The email appeared to identify Hunter Biden as chair vice chair, depending on agreement with CEFC, in an apparent reference to now bankrupt CEFC China Energy Co. The email includes a note that, quote, Hunter has some office expectations. He will elaborate. A proposed equity split references 24H and 10 held by H for the big guy. With no further details, Fox News spoke to one of the people who was copied on the email who confirmed its authenticity. Sources told Fox News that the big guy is a reference to the former vice president. The New York Post initially published the emails and other controversial messages that Fox News has also obtained. 
The Biden's relationship with Ukraine came under special attention last year as House Democrats pursued an impeachment inquiry surrounding President Trump's now infamous July 25th call with Ukraine's president. In it, Trump asked President Volodymyr Zelensky to investigate the former vice president who is suspected of abusing his authority to pressure the government into firing its top prosecutor. This is a corruption scandal, the likes of which we may not have seen in our history. It seems that Joe Biden and the rest of the Democrats tried to impeach Donald Trump because he was close to exposing their racket. Look, if we've got an email confirming this, if Joe Biden, Joe Biden flew his son on Air Force Two to China for a private equity deal, that alone is Joe Biden setting up his family to make money with his power in government. What gives him that right? By all means, comment about Trump all day and night. That's fine. I'm not saying Trump's perfect. We're here to talk about the career crony establishment that has been in power for decades, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Nadler. And I'll tell you what, McConnell and Lindsey Graham right up there don't like any of them. I don't like any of the crony establishment. And the Republicans, what did they do? When Donald Trump got into office, we saw these rhinos run full speed to the Democratic Party because that's the establishment. And now they're worried. And some of these establishment players are still stuck in the Senate. And that's why even though Donald Trump won in 2016 and the Republicans controlled everything, they got nothing done because they're all in on the game. Every single one of them. What's that? I don't like Republicans either. Oh, wow. Surprise, surprise. I never have. I've said it for years. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats either. Well, now I'll tell you what we got. We got Donald Trump, who is a ball rampaging through the ivory tower. I'm gonna let him do it. I mean, him pulling troops out of the Middle East, you know, I was going to bring it up. Hey, I'll take it. Not not perfect on foreign policy, but whatever, man. You think Joe Biden? Why, why would I want to empower the establishment? Why would anybody? Y'all are crazy. Let's read a little bit more. They say another email from May 2014 shows Vadim Pazarsky, an advisor to Burisma's board, allegedly shows allegedly shows him asking for the younger Biden's advice on how to stop politically motivated actions. We urgently need your advice on how you could use your influence to convey a message, signal, etc., to stop what we consider to be politically motivated actions, it reads. And less than a year later, a purported email from Pazarski shows him thanking Hunter Biden for an invitation to meet his father and spend time together. Biden's campaign has denied wrongdoing and claimed the former vice president schedule showed no meeting taking place. Though Politico later clarified the campaign would not rule out the possibility that the former vice president had an informal interaction with Pazarski. The campaign has also said it has released the former vice president's tax documents and returns, which do not reflect any involvement with Chinese investments. Let me one up you, baby. Release Hunter Biden's tax documents and returns. Financial disclosure. I want to see what Hunter Biden's got. You oh what's that Donald, Donald Trump you say again okay oh, yeah absolutely Trump should release his tax returns I'm not defending him on that stuff and and Don and Don Jr. and Ivanka sure throw it all out there I don't care now Donald Trump claims he's being audited that's a point I guess but if Hunter Biden is now being implicated in this and a source is saying that this email is Joe Biden getting equity what's Hunter getting how much of that is his fa- is 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 in his father's name. I mean, it's really, really clever if you think about it. Actually, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's not clever at all. It's obvious. If you are in office, you can't make money. What do you do? You create a nonprofit. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, let's let's say it was a politician and they wanted to make a bunch of money from foreign uh, uh, interests. So they start a nonprofit and then they say, oh, you know, I'm 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 doing I'm going to it's a nonprofit. You know, there's no but we're going to take donations. And then maybe this politician was working for, I don't know, the, the Obama administration. Let's just let's just hypothetically throw out a name. Uh, uh, Clinton, you know, the Clinton Foundation. This is what's going on, huh? It's a racket. They get into office. They use their power of office to make money. That's it. For all of Donald Trump's problems, he's losing money on this. His net worth is, is in decline. Maybe maybe his family's making money off of, off of their access and connections. Sure. I don't like that either. Guess what? You, after this, this era is over, I'll vote for somebody else. But guess what? Joe Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, the establishment. How many decades do we have to sit here? How much do you have to be smacked in the face over and over again? You know they're doing this. And so somebody said to me, Tim, Trump is bad. Okay, 47 years is greater than four. So you know what? I'll take my chances with Trump. The Biden campaign spokesman, Andrew Bates, uh, added investigations by the press during impeachment and even by two Republican led Senate committees whose work was decried as not legitimate and political by a GOP colleague have all reached the same conclusion that Joe Biden carried out official U.S. policy toward Ukraine and engaged in no wrongdoing. Trump administration officials have attested to these facts under oath. Fine. Then what about the Chinese equity arrangement? Well, Joe Biden lashes out because he got asked about it. How dare a journalist ask this question? The emails are public. The laptop is confirmed, my understanding. The emails are now confirmed. Multiple sources confirm the authenticity of the communications and Joe Biden's involvement. So, uh, of course, Joe Biden's going to be mad when he actually gets called out. A CBS reporter said, what's your response to the New York Post story about your son? Joe Biden went off. It's a smear campaign. I knew you would ask that. Oh, just smearing me. Blah, blah, blah. What's the matter, Joe Biden? You're running for president. You can't stand the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Here's the story. The New York Post reports Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden was finally asked about the explosive New York Post report that alleges emails show his son made millions trading on his father's influence. His response, I have no response. And for not being asked about the growing controversy surrounding Hunter Biden at the ABC News Town Hall by George Stephanopoulos, the former vice president spoke to reporters outside his private jet Friday following his campaign events in Michigan. And when he was approached about the subject by CBS News uh, reporter Bo Erickson, Biden went after the journalist. Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. It's another smear campaign right up your alley. Those are the questions you always ask. You kidding me? It's a legitimate question. It's a major story. It's been a week now where the story has continually grown because, like I said, they're slow rolling it. You knew you were going to be asked. Your response should say it's a smear campaign. It's I, I deny it. I disavow. Guess what? Joe Biden did not. Joe Biden did not deny it. He did not disavow it. That says a lot to me. It does. When Donald Trump was asked about his tax returns, what did he say? I deny this. It's wrong. Straight up. Trump could have said, I, I don't respond to any of this. When Trump was asked for like the 800th time to, deny, to denounce white supremacy on, on his town hall, he said, of course. OK, fine. He denounced it because Donald Trump said, OK, it's annoying, but fine. Joe Biden refuses to answer these questions, and he's directly implicated. I wonder why. 
The Biden 2020 presidential campaign previously responded to the Post story on Wednesday, saying the former vice president carried out official U.S. policy towards Ukraine and engaged in no wrongdoing, and that Trump administration officials have, have attested to these facts under oath. The Post obtained a 2015 email indicating that Vadim Pazarsky, an advisor, we, we, we know all this, but let me, let me add something. When uh, uh, Trump administration officials and the Republicans put together this report, did they have access to these emails? They didn't. Oh, so maybe new evidence has come to light suggesting that Joe Biden was engaged in wrongdoing. Oh, OK. So please don't cite old reports when new evidence comes out. That's what they do, though. When Tucker Carlson had on this Wuhan, uh, it was a Hong Kong professor claiming, making claims about the coronavirus. On Instagram, Tucker Carlson got flagged for fake news. So I clicked it. I'm like, oh, they fact checked this already? Sure. It showed old stories having nothing to do with Tucker Carlson's whistleblower. That's what they do. Right now, they are using old news based on old information to try and debunk new evidence. Now, Joe Biden, look, I'm sorry, man. At this point, I don't care what y'all think. I think Joe Biden's guilty. I thought he's guilty for a long time. Well, I hope you're ready. To me, this is just classic textwork. Soviet Russian tradecraft, says director of national Intel- former director of national intelligence, James Clapper. Oh, I love it. Soviet. Soviet. Let me uh, let me give you a little history lesson. I think how old how old was I when the Soviet Union collapsed? <laughs> there, there's there's no Soviets. I'm sorry. That's uh, uh, not a thing anymore. Russian. I love how he had, to, he had he had to throw in Soviet, but he's saying it's Russian. Authorities are investigating if recently published emails are tied to a Russian disinformation effort targeting Biden. Oh, just stop. I am so sick and tired of the fake news. Russia. Russia, 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 over and over again. It never ends. Now that we have the emails, now that the emails are confirmed, now that the authenticity of the laptop is confirmed, there's also reports that Hunter Biden's lawyer was trying to get the laptop. I haven't confirmed that, though, but there's reports that are coming out. Now that all of this has happened, they're like, well, we're going to investigate Russia. Isn't their desperation becoming obvious? This needs to stop. And the only way it stops is if Trump wins. Check this out. Oh, so this is this is the Bo Erickson thing where where Joe Biden goes after the uh, the journalist. Bo Erickson says, I asked Joe Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son? He called it a smear campaign and said, I know you'd ask it. Those are the questions you always ask. Bo Erickson of CBS News just quoted Joe Biden. That that's it. He didn't he didn't tweet in this tweet. He's not saying, how dare he? Uh, I'm a journalist. I he didn't. Then we get near a tandem. Vote early. She's a uh, uh, Amprog Center for American Progress. Maybe this says more about you than him. Okay, that's what we get, huh? The Democrats are corrupt. The Republicans are corrupt. Trump, yeah, maybe corrupt too. Maybe not. Trump, Trump uh, was uh, the, the reason why I say maybe not. And Trump gets more benefit of the doubt, as far as I'm concerned, is that he's already rich. Like he didn't need to become president to make money. It just doesn't make sense. He's losing his net worth on this. Even his kids, they, he owns an insane amount of properties. Oh, but he's in debt. It's mortgages, man. These people are insane. So, so, you know, they talk about Trump, but, but Trump was losing money. You wanted him to. He's giving up his salary. When Trump got elected, they were like, well, he can't, he can't, he should be making, making money in office. So he lost $50 million. 
paid millions in taxes. It was more than his liability because he lost money. He told the IRS to hold it for future payments. Look, I'm not here to defend Donald Trump. I, I don't care. I don't. I think I, I hate the entire establishment. But Trump clearly is not a part of whatever this dirty game is. He might have his own dirty games. Sure. But I'll tell you what. I've seen it with Clinton. Seen it with Obama. Seen it with Bush. Seen it with Clinton again. <laughs> and it's always the same throughout my entire life. Trump is, is the unfortunate, unfortunately, the only avatar, I guess, available for the anger Americans feel about what's going on with the establishment politics. Right, right now, this is what we're getting. When we know that there's something fishy here, we can't even get a legitimate investigation into it. Russiagate bore no fruit. Ukrainegate bore no fruit against Trump. In fact, it's bearing fruit against Joe Biden. So how is it that Trump does a phone call? One phone call where he says, I want you. To, I saw this video about, you know, Joe Biden. I want you to look into that for me. And they try to impeach him for it. Sounds to me like they were worried Trump was coming after them, that their mafioso type organized crime is in danger and Trump's treading too close. Feds investigating if alleged Hunter Biden emails connected to a foreign intelligence operation report. Two people familiar with the matter told NBC News Thursday night. The FBI took the laptop and a hard drive through a grand jury subpoena that was later published by the New York Post, a conservative newspaper. I love how they do that. A conservative newspaper. They're really trying to discredit the New York Post. Isn't that amazing? The FBI declined to comment to the Hill on the reported probe, citing its standard practice of not confirming or denying an investigation. The New York Post published these stories. As we understand, they face criticism. We get it. Hunter Biden's attorney, George Meserez, said in a statement to NBC News that we have no idea where this came from and certainly cannot credit anything that Rudy Giuliani provided to the New York Post. But what I do know for certain is that this purported meeting never happened. Biden campaign spokesperson Andy Bates told uh, the, uh, NBC, NBC News the New York paper never asked the Biden campaign about the critical elements of the story. He said the campaign has looked at Joe Biden's official schedules and no meeting, as alleged by the New York Post, ever took place. Why would it? You see how this this, this makes no sense? Do you think... When someone's committing a crime, like, let, let, let me ask you, let's imagine someone's going to go buy drugs. And so they pull out their pocketbook and they're like, you know, 6 p.m. meeting with drug dealer. And then they go and they meet with the drug dealer. You think that's a normal thing that happens? No. If this dude was going to be working on some kind of illegal, corrupt project to make some cash for himself in his son's name, why would he write down in his official schedule who he was meeting with? That's stupid. I'll tell you what they do. They'd go to a, a, a Ruth's Chris, Chris's or however you pronounce it, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And then, is that what it is? Whatever. They'd sit down and the guy would be in a, in a booth right next to them. And then he'd slide over. They'd sign some papers or shake some hands. He'd slink away. And that's it. They're doing something illegal. They're not going to write it down. Are you nuts? They certainly never raised that Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, who's discredited conspiracy theories and alliance with figures connected to Russia. Russian intelligence have been widely reported. I'll tell you what, you know, it makes me believe this story more than anything else, that a story came out recently saying Rudy Giuliani is a drunkard. That's it. I saw that and I was like, OK, that's it. It's true. It's all true. Look, I'm not saying it's definitive proof, but I am saying if they're that desperate to come out and claim Giuliani is a drunkard. They're trying really, really hard to smear the guy. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, huh? Mayor during 9-11. He's a guy who took down the mob in, in New York City. And well, I actually got a story here. Giuliani, 
Hunter Biden emails prove family has been selling Joe's office to the highest bidder. This is a, this is racketeering case that went on for 30 years. Trump attorney tells the story. What reason do I have uh, do, uh, do I have to doubt Rudy Giuliani right now? Never been a big fan of the guy. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm saying I don't know anything about him. I mean, I was I was a kid during 11 and all that stuff. And I've known there's been, you know, some very serious criticisms about him and his policies. No, I, I don't care for any politician. But uh, right now, he's got emails. Several sources have confirmed this. You put out a story saying he's a drunkard. That to me says you have no response. That's the best they could muster. I tell you, man, the bureaucratic state is a better way to describe what people call the deep state. These officials who get appointed, who get hired, and then are unelected and stay in government forever. They work in these intelligence agencies and they go after their enemies, desperate to preserve their power and to maintain the status quo in their system. And I love how willingly progressives go along with it. I don't agree with a lot of Trump's policy positions. I think he's done a bad job in a lot of areas. I think he's done good enough things where I'm like, okay, fine, I'll vote for the guy. But I'll tell you what, the most important thing for me is keep the establishment out. They're on, they're, they're, they're on their last breath. Don't let them back in. Hillary Clinton's donations to the Clinton Foundation dried up after she lost. So what do you think? It seems like it's, it's right in front of us. Give Trump four more years. Let the establishment wither. But Bernie Sanders is corrupt too. So I don't know, the, I don't know what the progressives are going for, but I guess, uh, I, I'm curious as to whether or not this will actually change anything. Trump might still lose. People really hate the guy. And that would be, it's, it's this, this is, a, this is, a, I don't know how to describe it. I guess the, the last stand we have as people who believe in freedom that for all his faults, Trump is the last line of defense from the crony establishment getting back in, suppressing your rights, shutting down your country, shutting down your economy, arresting you for running your business. That's what they've been doing. Don't let them back in. You see what they do. You know what they'll do next. They'll just make more money. They'll sell us out. They will enrich themselves off of public service. So I put it this way. If I if if I'm told Trump's corrupt and I'm told Biden is corrupt and there is this propaganda war, I think to myself, OK, well, I'll tell you what, Joe Biden for 47 years, Trump for four years. I'll assume they're both corrupt. I don't care. I'll tell you something else. If I had to make a choice between the guy who got rich from public office or the guy who's losing money from public office, I'm going to choose a guy who's losing money. I'm going to choose the guy who is losing money to get elected over the guy who wants to get elected to make money. You see how that works? It's not perfect. It's hard to know who's right. But I don't I don't like the idea that these working class Joes get into politics and then become millionaires. So I guess I'll leave it there. I'm not sure anything's going to come of this and I'm not sure anyone's going to change their mind, but we'll wait and see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. We got some updates pertaining to the riots and violence from the far left. The first and most important story is that the unlicensed security guard in Denver who killed the Trump supporter is being charged with second degree murder. The family of the victim, Lee Keltner, says it is a positive first step. And I find this really fascinating. Second degree murder is a drop down from suspicion of first degree murder. That's why this guy, Matt Doloff, was arrested. What's interesting is that his family is okay with the charges when it's usually an individual killed by the cops. The people demand excessive charges. It may be manslaughter. It may be third, second, whatever degree murder. And they'll say, no, we want first something that they can't prove. Notably in the Brianna Taylor case, things like that. Well, in this instance, they said second degree and the family said, okay, but we got more, we have another big update as well. And there's a lot to this story too. 
Apparently, the news outlet has been hiring unlicensed security guards numerous times and actually had to bring in an external employee to report on themselves. I'm sorry, an external reporter. But we also have this story from Jason Rance over at KTTH. Ex-lawmaker's son charged in planning sophisticated attacks against Seattle police. In fact, this guy apparently tried to bash. I'm sorry, this, this is the guy who did bash a cop over the head with an aluminum baseball bat. They caught him. He was apparently planning more activities, and he is the stepson of a Democratic lawmaker, former. Let's read the first story, though, and it's, it's, it's very brief. It's just the general update on what's happening with the Pinkerton security guard. The Daily Mail reports Pinkerton security guard who shot and killed Navy veteran 49 at Patriot Muster protest in Denver will be charged with murder, DA announces. An unlicensed Pinkerton security guard accused of fatally shooting, <laughs> accused of? literally on video, killed a pro-police protester following opposing rallies, has been charged with second degree murder. The charge will be filed against Matthew Doloff on Monday, the deadline for prosecutors to bring charges in the death of Lee Keltner, 49, McCann said in a statement released on Thursday. She did not elaborate on her decision to prosecute Doloff, who was protecting a KUSA TV producer at the time for second degree murder rather than first degree murder charge. He was arrested on suspicion of after the shooting on October 10th. People convicted of second degree murder face a mandatory sentence of between 16 and 48 years. That means if he is convicted, 16 years at the minimum. It's crazy stuff, man. Well, well I'll tell you what's, what's, what's really shocking is that this news outlet has been hiring unlicensed guards on several occasions. I can only imagine they are going to have to pay out a hefty sum. There is no way they're winning a lawsuit in this one. Nine News Investigation has found, uh, I should say an investigation has found Nine News has used multiple unlicensed security guards. They note that A.J. Legault is not a Nine News reporter, but he was brought in to investigate Nine News themselves. They say, separate from the criminal investigation, there is also an administrative investigation taking place because the city said Doloff was not licensed to work as a security guard in Denver or to be armed while doing so. There is no record of this individual ever being licensed or even applying for a security guard license in the city and county of Denver, said Eric Escudero, the director of communications for Denver City and County Excise and Licenses. The investigation finds Doloff is not only unlicensed or not properly credentialed security uh, to accompany nine news crews as they covered protests and riots during the past five months. So the gist of this story is it's very, very simple. They mention uh, they've used many unlicensed guards, which means they're probably going to face some criminal liability. Ultimately, what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe they just pay a fine and nothing really happens. But the family of Lee Keltner, the victim, say it's a positive first step. Lee's family is in shock and mourning the loss of a father, grandson, son, brother, and husband, the family said in a statement. The family of Lee Keltner, who was shot and killed Saturday while attending a Patriot rally in downtown Denver, called the decision to charge the private security guard a, a positive first step. The Keltner family obviously wants justice for Lee. Family attorney William Boyle said in a statement on behalf of Keltner's wife, the family still has questions relating to Matthew Doloff's relationship with Nine News and the Pinkerton and Isborne security firms. The statement says, we have reached out to these companies seeking answers. Although we have not been contacted, all three have issued carefully crafted statements in what appear to be efforts to distance themselves from the shooting and Mr. Doloff. Denver District Attorney Beth McCann on Thursday announced her office plans to file a charge of second degree murder against Doloff. This we know. So let's move on to the next bit. Now, 
I want to tell you the the uh, more important aspect, or I, I should say the long term effect of this violence. If I were to ask you, which city in the U.S. do you think is facing the largest exodus of any major city? Which city would you choose? Now, I just showed you Denver. Now I'm showing you Seattle. You have to pick which city are people fleeing in the largest numbers. Did you say Portland? Because you'd be correct. And that's the ramifications of this that I want to get to. One of the, uh, uh, the, the number one city for Exodus right now is Portland. And guess which is coming in just after it? San Francisco. It's really obvious why people are leaving. Or I should say it's really easy to assume and probably be correct. It's mismanagement, Democrat politician failures, widespread violence, defunding police, and people are getting out of these cities, most of which are run by Democrats. Well, here's the the next important bit. I didn't know which one to lead with, but I thought the quick update on the security guard, the unlicensed security guard, uh, you know, getting second degree murder charge was important. But this, in my opinion, has a longer term impact. This is there was this video that went viral where a guy runs up to a cop and hits him over the head with a baseball bat. Fortunately, the cop was wearing a bike helmet and they just cracked the helmet. But I believe he didn't suffer any very serious injuries, but I do believe he was hospitalized. Well, they found the guy who did it. They say the stepson of a from KTTH, the stepson of a former Democratic state lawmaker is charged with assaulting a police officer and planning sophisticated attacks against police. The video of the assault which showed an officer hit in the helmet with a bat, went viral after a night of intense escalating violence against police officers. Jacob Greenberg, 19, is in King County jail on charges of assault in the first degree, attempted arson in the first degree, and reckless burning in the first degree, a charge from an earlier case. They say the, the uh, charging documents misspell his name. His alleged accomplice has been identified as Danielle McMillan. She has been charged with attempted arson, and has a criminal history, including assault in the fourth degree and reckless driving. Several other suspects have not yet been publicly identified. Greenberg is in is the stepson of former Democrat Representative Laura Ruderman of Kirkland. Last month, the Jason Rantz show on KTTH first reported Greenberg was the suspect in the assault. She used her position as a state lawmaker to convince a judge to lower the bail on the previous charge and release him release him to her custody. He is basically a good kid, straight A student, Ruderman said. I've served the state in the legislature. We will make sure he follows all the provision. Welcome to the club, the big club that you're not in. A state lawmaker, a Democrat, goes to the judge and says, let my son go on bail. You know, bring, lower the charge. OK, that's it. We, we, we have a two tier justice system. In fact, it's probably multi tiered. You got politicians, you got connections, you got the wealthy. There are a lot of problems with it. I overall think it's a pretty good concept. We do a good job better than most countries in the world, but I think we need criminal justice reform for sure. They're going to say, if even a small portion of the allegations against Greenberg are true, he's not a good kid at all. Charging documents allege Greenberg and McMillan spend their time this fall plotting various assaults and firebombings on police officers. The conversation between the, between the two showed a high degree of sophistication and planning for their attacks, identifying targets. Seattle Police Officers Guild East Precinct, itemizing the needs for set numbers of Molotov cocktails, calculating expected loss of for failed bombs and where to obtain supplies. Greenberg and McMillan allegedly discussed Molotov cocktail tattoos to memorialize their attacks while sharing news articles of their criminal activities with pride. Specifically, they said they were proud of Greenberg 
for his assault against the, the police officer. They even communicated ways to destroy evidence of their attack plans. They obviously failed at that. On the night of September 1st, a group of nearly 100 black block agitators met at Cal Anderson Park across the street from the East Precinct. The park has long been used as a staging ground for violent assaults against police targets. Earlier that day, Greenberg texted a friend identified as Mariel, who allegedly texted, I want to get some stuff going tonight, like some real expletive, you know? Mariel then discussed what needed for uh, what's needed for the cocktail. Uh, and Greenberg replied, gas, mid-sized bottle, wick, rag. After a short march, the agitators arrived at the East Precinct, many committing acts of vandalism. Greenberg, McMillan and a third suspect huddled behind an umbrella, a common tactic to shield illegal behavior from surveillance cameras. Moments later, probable cause documents say McMillan lit the wick of a Molotov cocktail, then launched it at the precinct. It didn't explode. Then Greenberg was seen throwing a Molotov cocktail, striking the East Precinct, which was occupied by officers at the time. Both Greenberg and McMillan associated with other suspects accused of throwing Molotov cocktails at the precinct. I have to wonder whether or not getting charged with attempted murder. I saw this video, man. I think it was Seattle. I'm not sure where a bunch of cops are walking and someone throws a Molotov and the cops scatter and it explodes. You hit somebody with that. And you do more than destroy their life. You condemn them to extreme suffering for, for the rest of their life. They say then, uh, I'm sorry, they say police say the group had orchestrated the obscuring of security cameras and the shielding of the criminal actors as they prepared their Molotov cocktails for throwing. Afterwards, Greenberg texted Mariel again. She talked about her failed Molotov cocktail attack. But Greenberg was an understanding friend texting. I think we were both nervous as expletive. So yeah, but next time you'll get it. These people are insane. They go on to say, they then discussed recruiting people who are willing to do stuff like us. With Greenberg threatening action as a Seattle Police Officers Guild, quote, I say we make SPOG a bit toasty like we did to EP tonight. EP presumably stands for East Precinct. Greenberg, wearing the same outfit and carrying the same backpack as he did on September 1st, allegedly participated in other demonstrations on September 11th and 23rd, according to video surveillance. While he didn't commit any illegal acts on September 11th, he's accused of participating in a riot. On You know what? Look, I'm sick of this. How many times are these people going to get away with it? How many times are they going to do things like this and get away with it? They're getting away with it. You see, when we hear about these rioters getting arrested, that's because they got arrested on the spot in the riot. But what about the things they plan? What about the acts of violence they help carry out? The DA doesn't care at all. The DA in Portland just wants these people to be released. I'm sorry, this is Seattle, by the way, but I'm I'm talking specifically about my anger for the Pacific Northwest in general. In Portland, you have all of these people who will get arrested and get cut loose. And you know they're engaging in things similar to this. Now I get it. We need evidence of specific crimes and wrongdoing. But if the person is arrested at a riot, you can at least charge them with the crime they were seen committing. The DA won't even do that. They go on to say a group of nearly 300 agitators, mostly dressed in black block, marched through Capitol Hill and downtown, smashing windows along the way. Officers dispersed the crowd and followed them back to Cal Anderson Park, where the agitators regrouped before marching again. While officers were making arrests, an unknown suspect grabbed an officer's SPD issue bicycle, causing the officer to crash to the ground. As he was getting up, 
Greenberg allegedly came from behind with an aluminum baseball bat and with the full swing of a bat struck the back of the officer's head. According to the police documents, the force of the strike was powerful enough that Greenberg's follow through from the strike appeared to throw him off balance and caused him to stumble to the ground. September 26th, fires. There was another agitator gathering on September 26th that led to yet another riot outside the East Precinct. About 100 dressed in black block created a barricade of dumpsters and other materials that were set on fire outside the precinct. Greenberg is accused of helping set some of the fires. He was arrested that night. Using video surveillance, detectives were able to connect Greenberg to the other criminal demonstrators. Among the items seized were distinct pants, a full face respirator mask with white round filters, a Nikon camera, a a black balaclava, branded gloves, and other items that detectives say tie him to the earlier alleged actions. A search warrant was executed on September 27th at his parents' house where he lives. Surprise, surprise. Former state rep Ruderman was present. Investigators recovered two bats, including one aluminum bat they suspect was the one used to assault the officer. Two days later, a detective obtained a warrant to search Greenberg's car. They found a helmet they allege tie the suspect to the, to the September 1st and 11th events. This guy was planning Molotov attacks, according to the documents, bashed a cop over the head. And his mom is, of course, there to bail him out to help use her political connections to get the charges reduced. This is the, this is how things work. This is how it works for everybody. And I wouldn't be surprised. We talk about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden in these emails. Of course, it's being played out the same way. Of course, Joe Biden will do whatever to protect his son. This woman's going to do the same thing for her violent extremist son. Why wouldn't she? They're going to say the detective found a trove of allegedly incriminating, incriminating text messages to and from Greenberg. On September 2nd, the day after he was accused of using Molotov cocktails against the East Precinct, Greenberg texts, how many Molotovs are you think are, are you think we should have by Labor Day? Because we shouldn't overuse our resources, you dig? In another text thread, Greenberg writes, oh, I was also part of the youth jail fires. Hell yeah, dude. That's expletive awesome. I was the one who Molotov the East Precinct and other. Then I've broken windows for other people. Later that night, Greenberg allegedly shared a Como news article that shows his assault against the officer. His friend joked about calling 911 on him. He then texted McMillan a link to the video of the officer being assaulted. I am so pee at the at the cops. Expletive went off on them tonight. He he texted. He opined. I'm proud to he he wish he didn't have a helmet on. Well, still a great shot, though. Greenberg agreed. Greenberg and McMillan discussed destroying evidence of their crime. According to detectives, the texts indicate the two used the texting app Signal and Telegraph, which allow untraceable chats. Other notable quotes highlighted from the Greenberg texts include, and can we like, please? Wow. He calls for the murder of every cop. I'll just put it that way. I'm not going to repeat that. I want the whole damn system to just burn the, the expletive down. By the way, I really like fire. Why? Why do you want to burn it down? What did they do to you? Your mother is clearly connected. You don't face penalties for your crimes. So why would you want to burn the system down? Bad parents. Absolutely. Greenberg has been charged and the King County Prosecutor's Office recommended bail at $750,000. A judge agreed. They also asked $100,000 for McMillan and a judge agreed there too. The charges came the same day they received the investigation from police, but neither have been arraigned yet. That hearing is scheduled for October 29th. He will remain in jail until then, unless he posts bail. 
I wonder how things are going over in Portland. I have this video. Ian Miles Chong posted it. He says Portland is dumb. He's right. Lawlessness. This guy in blue on the screen calls the, the black dude in front of him an effer. And the guy in front of, you know, F word in front of him says like, you know, how are you going to call me that? And then punches him in the face. Everyone then starts running around. Fights start breaking out. Some guy's backing away with his fists up like he's going to fight. Yeah, that's what you get when you defund police, when you demoralize police. We're already, so this is Portland, but we're seeing in Seattle a, 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 a historical exodus of police from the department. They're quitting in huge numbers because the system is broken and they're being targeted and demoralized. And so here's what I want to show you. Top U.S. cities Americans are leaving. This is from investing.com, Portland, Oregon, number one. What was once on the list of fastest growing metro areas in the U.S., the city of Portland is now seeing its growth rate drop to almost zero. Once hailed as a hipster paradise with athletes drawn to the lush green city because of the Nike headquarters, Nike headquarters, Portland has fallen at hard times. One reason being that Portland's property taxes have been steadily rising and many starving artists who once flocked to the city are now being priced out. But I'm going to have to stop you there. Look, when you scroll up, there's a photo. It's fires, garbage, and some do some people marching through the streets of the American flag. If you're going to talk about Portland, y'all need to show some photos of the ongoing riots for what? What is it like 138 days or some ridiculous number now? You want to ask me why people are fleeing that city? I'm going to tell you, it's probably because of the violence. Among other things, I think property taxes make sense. They say the average rental cost is $1,522 a month, which is way higher than almost anywhere else in America. Additionally, plans for apartment complex developments have stalled, leading to a shortage in places to rent and own. The crime rate in Portland has also been cited as a major reason why people aren't staying in the Bohemian city. There have been been increased rates of burglaries, happening throughout Portland metro area, as well as an increase in, the, in its homeless population, which has resulted in homeless camps in almost every major neighborhood. Then we get San Francisco. San Francisco, major industries, high tech and tourism. Yeah, well, people are leaving there. Seattle, Washington. Wow. New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., L.A., Houston, Milwaukee, Atlantic City, Pittsburgh, Orlando, Detroit, there are a lot of a lot of cities that people are fleeing. San Francisco, I'm not surprised about. Portland, Seattle, they make the top of this list. I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, that they're ranking them, you know, by the the, the most extreme first. The annual growth rate doesn't mean a whole lot necessarily about uh, who's you know more or less uh, who, who's facing a larger exodus. It's just their growth rate. I'm assuming that means economic, but I, I could be wrong. The reason I'm assuming economic is it's investing.com. But we know that people are fleeing. Would you want to live in a city where they riot nonstop and get away with it? That's Seattle and Portland. And what are we going to do about this escalation of violence with people like this guy in, in, in Denver? I honestly don't know. But I'll tell you for now, it's, uh, this story is good news. The guy is being charged in Denver with second degree murder. And this Democrat's kid is, is facing char- serious charges and is currently in jail. So at least something is being done. But I can only imagine it'll get worse. Right now, there's a group of leftists planning a massive wave of civil unrest across the country if Trump doesn't accept the results of the election. They didn't accept the results of the election in 2016. They still don't. They claim Trump won't. But I've got some interesting data coming up the next segment. It looks like early voting is showing Democrats are hurting. That's right. 
So what happens when the Democrats actually lose? All of these organized protests about Trump are going to turn from protect the results to contest the results. Now, isn't that funny? If Trump wins, they are going to say, we wanted to protect the results. No, we got to contest the results. And they're going to riot. The riots in D.C. on J20 2017, January 20th, were for Hillary Clinton. And when Trump won, they came out anyway. So what do you think is going to happen? I think they're going to come out anyway. And I think it's going to be like this, like this guy in, in Seattle bashing a cop in the head with a baseball bat. I hope things calm down, but we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Uh, Timcast. It is my main channel. It's different from this one. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Now, I can't say this is too shocking, but it is surprising to see that Joe Biden's campaign manager is saying the polls are wrong. They do not have double-digit leads. The polls are inflated, and they're telling supporters you need to get out. The fake polls have backfired on the Democrats. Surprise, surprise. They've been going around saying we're going to win. You know, Joe Biden's up 16 points nationally, and he's beating Trump 11 points in Michigan, and he's up 10 points in Pennsylvania. Then early voting data came in. And as of today, Trump is winning, or we, we assume based on how many Republicans voted versus Democrats, that Trump is winning in Michigan in early voting, which should not be happening at all. Check out the main channel segment, my main channel segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast. I did earlier, but now we've got a, a, a bigger bit of information, or I should say more important information, and that the Democrats are basically just admitting it. The polls are wrong. You better get out and vote. That's what they're saying. Check it out. Joe's campaign manager says poll numbers favoring the Democrat are inflated and warn supporters not to grow complacent because we are not ahead by double digits. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign manager has warned the polls are inflated. Jen O'Malley uh, Dillon issued the warning in online in an online campaign event on Friday saying, please take into account the fact that we are not ahead by double digits, according to New York Times reporter Shane Goldmacher. Those are inflated national public polling numbers, Dylan added during the live streamed grassroots summit, uh, which uh, video of which the campaign did not leave online. National polls released this week by NPR, PBS, NewsHour, Marist and NBC News, Wall Street Journal show Biden leading President Donald Trump by 11 percent. Let me stop right there. They said he was leading nationally by 11 percent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They said he was leading uh, Michigan by 11 percent. If Trump is now winning in early voting in Michigan and Republican voters are expected to vote in massive waves in person, the Democrats are on track to lose. What does that mean nationally about the rest of the polls from the same groups? If their polling was skewed that far, could it not be that Trump is actually winning by slight margins? Shane Goldmacher tweeted, so so we understand, I'm not going to say it a million times. During the event, Dylan predicted that Biden will win Arizona in the November 3rd election, even though the state has not voted for a Democrat since Bill Clinton won in 1996. I know we're going to win Arizona, Dylan said. Dylan predicted that the Biden campaign will raise another $234 million through the election, adding to a war chest that is already larger than Trump's. It's coming from Wall Street, by the way. Trump's campaign, along with Republican National Committee and associated groups, raised $247.8 million in September, well short of the $383 million raised by Biden and the Democratic National Committee in the same period. Trump campaign communications director Tim Murtaugh tweeted that the Trump effort had $251.4 million on hand at the end of September, compared with 432 for Biden. 
The president's campaign was betting on a well-stocked bank account to blanket airwaves and online with and online with Trump ads. But last week, he was outspent on advertising by Biden by more than $10 million. Doesn't matter. You know why? In my main segment, I showed this. Time magazine had a reporter travel across the country and found, guess what? People don't care about the headlines. I don't think the ads are what's driving it anymore. Donald Trump won in 2016 with a, his, with a relatively low ad spend. He spent very little money. They say he got $5 billion in free advertisement from news outlets. All they're doing is showing Trump, Trump, Trump 24-7. And many people are probably getting their information from social media. Quote, President Trump hits final stretch with strength, resources, record, and huge ground game needed to spread message and secure re-election, Murtaugh tweeted. Biden's fundraising benefited from a boost in donor enthusiasm following the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This week, Republican Senator Graham, a close Trump ally from South Carolina, expressed worries that Trump could lose the election. Y'all have a good chance of winning the House, Graham told Democratic colleagues during hearings for Amy Coney Barrett, Trump's nominee for Supreme Court. Senate Republicans are also battling to keep their 53 to 47 majority in the election. Recent polling shows Democratic challenger Mark Kelly pulling far ahead of Republican incumbent Martha McSally in Arizona, one of 10 states where Republicans, Republican incumbents are vulnerable to being unseated. You see, the big challenge right now for the Republicans is that they have more seats up for election than Democrats do, which just means there is a decent probability they could lose the Senate this time around. I'm not so sure. I honestly, I, I, look, I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't. November is going to come around. November 3rd is going to happen. And we'll see. But with Michigan's early numbers, and this could change, I think the polls were wrong. They're saying early votes are supposed to be Democrat. Republicans are winning. What does that say for Democrats? I think across the board, Republicans are going to surprise Democrats. And they're now admitting, take this one to the bank. Joe Biden's campaign manager is admitting the polls are wrong and are inflated. Republicans better get out to vote. Otherwise, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Donald Trump will leave the country. (laughs) That's right. Trump jokes at packed Georgia rally that he will leave the country if he doesn't win the election because he won't feel so good losing to the worst candidate in the history of politics. I got to be honest. It's kind of why I think Donald Trump's going to win. Because I can't imagine a scenario where people vote for a Joe Biden. I mean, come on, dude. Sleepy, creepy Joe just doesn't seem to make sense. Now, Trump is joking, but I love the people on Twitter saying Trump was really going to leave the country because he doesn't want to go to prison. If Trump loses, he's going to get locked up. I love this. What they're saying is that if Trump loses, he'll resign. He'll, he'll issue a pardon for Pence. He'll resign a day before he, he, he's, you know, uh, on January 19th before Biden comes in. And then Pence will issue Trump a pardon. And that way they're both free to go. Because these people who think this are insane and don't seem to remember at all what happened with George W. Bush, who, you know, got us into these wars, nothing happens to these people. They're not going to go to jail. Like Hillary Clinton, when Trump was, you know, saying lock her up and all that stuff and the people were chanting that. Come on, dude. Hillary Clinton's never going to jail. But let's see what uh, what, what Mr. Trump was joking about. Trump has vowed to leave the country if he doesn't win. The president joked to the packed crowd at his Georgia rally Friday night, that he may resort to drastic action if the American people don't vote for him for a second term. His comments come as musicians Bruce Springsteen and Tommy Lee swore to do the opposite and leave America if Trump is reelected. No, they won't. 
Why? Let me ask you, why does this happen every single election? If George W. Bush is elected, I'm leaving this country. No, you're not. Shut up. If George W. Bush is reelected, if John McCain is elected, y'all never leave. Please do it. They never do, though. They always talk about how they want to leave because they don't want to live here, you know, under Trump or whatever. I saw a post on Facebook and it said something like, if you support Donald Trump and what he has done to this country, then you need to unfriend me right now. And, I, and I'm just like, what did he do? What are you talking about? That's not specific. I have no idea what you're talking about. Unfriend you? I can only assume, but they didn't actually tell me anything. COVID? Trump didn't do COVID. Economy? Trump didn't do COVID. So what did he do? Honestly, I have no ideas. I have no idea. They, they, they seem to think that 47 years of Joe Biden and the Democratic establishment and Trump just snapped his fingers and made this brand new world. It's like it's like Trump gets elected and he like has a magic wand and he taps the wall and then like magic colors come and just change everything about the country. No, if you're concerned about policies, prisons, if you're concerned about fossil fuels, carbon, it was Joe Biden. That's why it's ridiculous to me that people are like, I'm going to leave here if Trump gets reelected. I wonder how many people would pay Actually put money down and say, oh, you are? Let me pay your ticket so you can leave, not vote in the next elections. Now, I guess one thing that we need to talk about is what comes after 2020, 2022 midterms and 2024. Right now, we're seeing the polling is not actually that good for Joe Biden. And if we're in margin of error territory, then it's possible that Trump is actually winning. We saw one poll from the uh, Sunday Express Democracy Institute. So this is a UK paper saying Trump is up one point. I think that actually makes sense because they don't have any skin in the game. I mean, maybe, but not really. They're British, right? That makes sense. The, po- the skewed polling is benefiting Joe Biden because people often will just vote for who they think is going to win. They want to fit in. I don't think they're fitting in, though. So there's two things I want to mention. If Trump loses, then I think you might see a horrific rebound in 2022 and 24. Because what will happen is, Joe Biden will pander to the far left. The far left will keep riding and it will be a rubber band like no rubber band you have ever seen. If Trump wins, however, I think the Republicans will solidify in the midterms and just take more and more power. Now, look, I don't know. I was wrong about Republicans winning in the midterms, but it was only because of mail-in voting. My predictions were actually spot on for about a week. And then a week later, I'm like, oh, look at this. The mail-in votes came in and everything flipped. And a lot of people think that was fraudulent. I'm not saying it's fraudulent. I'm just saying a lot of people are saying, isn't that convenient? Well, you know, they, they vote by mail, I guess. Now, here's what I don't understand. Why do Democrats vote by mail more than Republicans in any other midterm? That seems to make no sense. Why is it that now when they're saying, you know, vote by mail, the Democrats are encouraged to do so. So now they're, they're pulling ahead in early voting. I don't understand. That's just me. Maybe I should read up on it. Huh? Why it is that during the midterms, mail-in voting swung that much. Now, people are concerned about fraud and now the cat's out of the bag. So whatever ends up happening in 2022, people aren't going to trust mail-in ballots. I guess we'll see. Trump maybe won't be here. I think it's highly likely he, he is. And they've mentioned that if Trump loses now, he'll run again in 2024. And I really do not believe that. He'll be way too old. He's going to be like, eh, you know, uh, but to be fair, Donald Trump is spry. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I want you to take this one to the bank. Okay. The polls are wrong and they admitted it. That's it. Game on, baby. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. It's kind of sad to see what's become of Bill Maher. He's got Trump derangement syndrome 
and he's got it's it's beyond just Trump. There's a kind of political bias exacerbation and, and, and shift happening among the left. I was talking to a friend recently who said that she used to be pro-choice, but didn't agree with third trimester abortion. Now telling me she's totally for it in any circumstance. And I was just like, how did that happen? Like, why did your principles change? Because mine didn't. Mine didn't, right? I have no idea. But look at this story. Bill Maher is slammed for saying that Democrats should make an issue of Amy Coney Barrett's Catholicism because being nuts is relevant. Bravo, good sir. The Democrats warned about attacking Amy Coney Barrett's religion because it will fire up Republicans to make them go vote. Now, Bill Maher is an he's well known for his criticism of religion. But I remember the documentary he did called Religious. That was actually fine. I liked it. I'm not, I don't consider myself particularly religious. Uh, I don't consider myself an atheist. Agnostic maybe isn't the right word. But seeing this from Bill Maher is to me him going more extreme. Why? I vaguely remember this. I could be wrong, but I remember he, he mentioned something about how people were praying for him. This might actually be in religious. People prayed for him. And as much as he doesn't agree with it, he said he appreciated it because it showed that they were willing to do something they thought would help. They were going out of their way to give him time and energy. And that shows that as much as he doesn't think it does anything, that was that was nice of them. It's, it's, it's to, to they're trying to do something for him. Now he's calling Catholicism being nuts. Joe Biden is a Catholic. Joe Biden says he is a uh, practicing Catholic. Is Joe Biden nuts? Okay, hey, I'll tell you what, I ain't going to vote for him. Bill Maher said so. And this is going to have a repercussion because Bill Maher, like many of these other people, are piling on Amy Coney Barrett, who seems very nice. I don't have any complaints about her. I know a lot of people who are Catholic. What what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to insult these people? Tell them they're all stupid? Not work with them? Not be friends with them? Not buy from them? That's insane. They're, They're a large portion of people in this country the majority actually were Christian, a large portion were Catholic, and we live together and we work together. Well, here's what Bill said. Commentator Bill Maher has drawn a backlash after calling Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett nuts and arguing that Senate Democrats should make an issue of her Catholic faith. Chuck Schumer said Democrats won't make Barrett's religion an issue, but they should because being nuts is relevant, Maher said in a monologue on Real Time. After hearing this week, the Senate Judiciary Committee set October 22nd for its vote to recommend Barr's nomination to the full Senate with a final confirmation vote, expect a, a final confirmation vote by month's end. Marr began his monologue by mocking threats from Democrats to pack the Supreme Court, saying it's already packed with Catholics. I, I don't I don't know what you're trying to say. I, I, are you are you for or against it? Roberts, Thomas, Alito, Kavanaugh, Sotomayor and Gorsuch, who I count as Catholic because he was raised Catholic and is now an Episcopalian which is just a Catholic who flunked Latin, Marr joked. And once, when Mitch McConnell and company are done FedExing Amy Coney Barrett to the bench, seven of the nine justices will be Catholics, he continued. The two other sitting justices, Stephen Breyer and Elena Kagan, are Jewish, as was late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose vacated seat Barrett would fill. Marr, in childhood, was raised as a Catholic by his Catholic father and Jewish mother, and now identifies as atheist. In his monologue, he argued that atheists are the fastest, the, the fasting growing, fastest growing denomination in the country and should be represented on the Supreme Court. We are 26% of the country. Where's our voice in the Supreme Court, Mars, out of atheists? 
And atheists actually make better judges because they don't have to work to separate church and state. We're not torn between rational decision making and what is in the old book of Jewish fairy tales, he added. Marr laid into Barrett for her Catholic beliefs and anti-abortion convictions, saying she's been groomed since birth to overturn Roe v. Roe versus Wade. She's like the Terminator, a robot programmed to fulfill one task, except she had she wasn't sent from the future. She was sent from the past. His harsh attacks drew backlash from Barrett supporters who accused him of crossing the line in his criticisms. Bill Maher is calling ACB a, an effing nut. How about all the rude and nasty things Democrats said about her adoption, her face, her clothing? The hate of the left has been literally everywhere these past couple of weeks. If you cannot see it, you have to be willfully ignorant. Let me just stop and ask a question. Why is it that we've gone from pro-life with exceptions and pro-choice with exceptions to pro-life with exceptions and literally no restrictions? I've had many conversations about abortion with many conservatives, notably on the Glenn, uh, Glenn Beck podcast last, uh, a year, year ago. Maybe it was a year ago. And it was interesting. Typically, when I talk to conservatives, there are exceptions for abortion. Uh, it's usually just not to be used as a contraceptive, meaning if there is a medical reason, if there is, you know, uh, I think medical reasons is the easiest way to explain it. And I think some conservatives have even have even said in the events of rape and incest. I don't I don't actually I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But I do consider myself to be pro-choice. But there's restrictions. What is it safe, legal and rare? At a certain point, I don't think you you, you can do it with exceptions. So, so let me let me clarify my position. If there is an instance where in the third trimester, serious health consequences to the life of the baby or the mother, then I think that's up to the doctor. As contraception, I hate in all forms, 100%. But I don't believe, if no reason is given, that the state has the authority to, to, to mandate a person provide their body, their blood to another person. So it's a, it's a very difficult position. I don't want to get into too much on this because I know it is contentious. But here's the point I'm trying to make. I've had, I've had a conversation, I've had conversations with conservatives about this and pro-life individuals, and they tell me I'm wrong and they argue with me. And I think that's fine. Let's have that conversation. But how did we go from a country that's pro-life with, with some exceptions, medical, for instance, and pro-choice to literally now the left is saying straight up, no restrictions whenever they want. There's nothing in this bill. You can just do it. That to me is crazy. And so that says to me that ACP is not the extremist. Amy Coney Barrett's not the extremist. Bill Maher and the rest of them are going too far left. Check this out. Here, here we go. Um, am I now nuts? Does this mean that Bill Maher is going to be voting for Donald Trump? Because newsflash, Joe Biden is a Catholic. That I find particularly funny. Holly Green says, Bill Maher, you're a disgusting person. ACB confirmation calling ACB is a, is a effing nut. Honestly, I think I think he went uh, uh, too far in calling her a nut. I really, really, uh, really do not like that. I grew up Catholic. Uh, briefly, I'm not a fan of the church. I'm not a fan of organized religion, but I'm a fan of religious freedom and respecting people's worldviews. You know, I had this conversation last night when we were on the IRL podcast and I said something. It's it, it, Let me explain. I, I believe in free speech. I do not believe all speech is good. I believe some speech is really bad. I just don't trust anybody to be the arbiter of what speech is right or wrong. So I'd rather just have free speech for everybody. The same is true for religion. I'm not a fan of organized religion. And I myself am not in into any organized religion or theistic dogma or anything like that. Though I don't consider myself an atheist. I do believe in God. I think there's probably there, there are many people who think they know 
And I don't trust any of them to be in charge because you get one religion lording over another. And then I just don't want to have that happen, which means I, I have to accept that I may disagree with someone and not see the world the way they do, but I have to respect their right to practice their religion and be who they are. Bill Maher, in my opinion, has developed some kind of partisan derangement syndrome. Trump derangement syndrome. Yes, he has that. We understand that. That's where people are just irrationally angry with the president. But there's something else. And that's why I brought up the pro-life versus pro-choice stuff like uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Michelle Wolf. When she was like, everybody get abortions. It's like, that's crazy. You know, that's partisan derangement syndrome. The Republicans are bad. Therefore, everything they believe, I believe the opposite. And that's what I think comes if Donald Trump loses. I don't think there's a scenario where Trump loses and then all of a sudden everything goes back to normal. You would be mistaken if you thought that was the case. It won't be. It will not. It's not coming back. We are not going to the days of old. The Internet is here. Social media is here. The changes are here and you cannot stop them. What you can do is by voting for Biden, putting Biden in office, empowering the establishment at a time when they keep chasing after Twitterati. So those are the, those are the woke leftists and they're going to enact fringe, insane, you know, politics. And then partisan derangement syndrome will result in the Democrats saying, no matter what the Republicans say, we must hate. Take a look at the metrics. What do you get? Republicans have been negotiating with Democrats. Democrats have not been negotiating with Republicans. This is a tendency. You can look up the data from Pew. I've shown the chart several times. Republicans are more likely to. The Democrats are less likely to. What happens? The left will say something like war is bad. The Republicans will say, OK, OK, fine. War is bad. No, 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 no. War is good. That's partisan derangement syndrome. Bill Maher will say, you're a Catholic, you're a nut. That's a much more extreme position than I've heard him take in the past. I could be wrong. I know he's been atheist for a long time. He made that documentary about it. But in the documentary, he was respectful to the people he was meeting. Now he's not. Now he's saying you're a nut if you believe in these religions. I'll tell you what, man, you make up 26% of this country, substantial portion, large and fastest growing uh, um, um, group of people in terms of religion. Is, is this how Bill Maher always felt? And he's just saying this now because he feels comfortable because the numbers are growing? Or is he being radicalized like many other people and becoming just a hateful individual? I seem to recall Bill Maher saying he was going to tone things down because he was worried about how close we were to civil war. Bill Maher said it. So why the hate? I don't know, man. I'm not into it. I'm not. Elections have consequences. Go vote. And if Trump loses and the Republicans don't win, well, then there you go. Consequences. That's Trump. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It started as an attempt to make a favorable documentary on illegal immigrants, talking about how it was going to help these people and would benefit us here in the United States. But then the director, who was a Democrat, started actually investigating, following the story and realized it's just bad for everyone. I've often talked about this. You see, when we can't accurately place individuals, they end up in poverty. The, the people who come here illegally are not benefiting from this, and neither are we. Legal immigration is the key. I've seen it firsthand in foreign countries. We need to make sure that if someone comes in, we can say, we know a really, really great place where you will strive and we can accommodate you. Otherwise, you end up with these people wandering through the desert. People will get sick. They'll die. It's horrifying. So we need to maintain our security. But let's read this story and learn about how a Democratic director reverses position on illegal immigration after investigating for documentary. The caller says, a director set out to make a documentary favoring illegal immigration and migrant caravans. 
But after investigating, Namrata Singh Gajral realized that illegal immigration actually harmed everyone involved. The director told the Daily News, uh, uh, the Daily Caller News Foundation. Gajral, a registered Democrat, said the stories of a homeless veteran, an illegal immigrant, a dead six-year-old girl, and the mother of a law enforcement officer killed by an illegal alien, all featured in her film, America's Forgotten, are representative of those impacted by illegal immigration, Gajral told the DCNF. In her investigation into the stories, she discovered the truth behind immigration fraud. She said, quote, I set out to make a film that was going to be very pro-illegal immigration, pro-caravans, pro-migrants. That's where I started. The film ended up completely different, and I think it was because I stuck with the investigation. I was at a crossroads. Do I tell the truth and go ahead and make the film, or do I walk away from the film because it doesn't agree with me or my industry? Gudgerall told the DCNF. I decided to say, I decided to stay truthful to my craft of filmmaking and tell the story as I saw it without bias or preconceived notions. I'm going to pause right here and tell you. Most of the people I meet who become, who will walk away from the Democrats, become Trump supporters, say it's because they investigated for themselves. When you break out of the mainstream media echo chamber, you realize the world is very, very different. And they've been lying to you. This individual is not necessarily talking about voting for Trump. Same story. The media has been lying about immigration. They claim everything's great. It's fine. They want they want you for some reason to believe it's a good thing for everybody, but it's not. And the scariest thing to me is when we see these stories of, you know, people trying to come to this country illegally and they lose their lives in the desert. I will tell you this. There are people who talk about the threats to our security. Look, I, I understand these arguments, but let me tell you. The real threat is to the security of these immigrants, to their lives. So we, we had the one story where a guy was coming with his daughter and they were found, you know, face down in a ditch. People who have to wander through 90 miles of desert with no supplies, no food, no, no ability to make it through this, this, this vast swaths of land. They don't. They wander around. They can, they can become delirious. They, beca- they, they can become sick. We must protect these people. And we do it very simply. We put up a border. We do not incentivize people to cross here and wander through the desert. And we, we set them up and say, you'll have to wait so we can figure out the best way to make sure you are being helped. Because let me tell you, where would an illegal immigrant be better off? Waiting in Mexico near the border, maybe even homeless, or wandering through 90 square miles of desert? I think it's obvious. We want them to stay in safe locations until we have an opportunity to process their requests. It's that simple. It's all about keeping everybody safe and making sure we're helping people. Gujral said the turning point for her was when she went to India to search for the grandfather of a girl named Gurupreet Akar, who died in the Arizona desert while trying to illegally emigrate, immigrate to the United States. This is what I was saying. Gujral went to the same home and sat in the same marble floored room where a CNN reporter previously conducted an interview with Gurupreet's grandfather. She saw no signs of violence or poverty or persecution in the neighborhood. Gurpreet's father lived in New York while his asylum case was pending, according to CNN. His lawyer said he was from a religious minority and he was fleeing persecution. And a lawyer for her mother said she was also seeking asylum, CNN reported. Gujral told the DCNF that CNN did not ask about poverty, persecution or violence in the neighborhood because none of them exist here. Why would a reporter whose job it is to report the truth go there and not even question it? The CNN report did not provide details regarding the claim that Gurpreet's father faced religious persecution. There's something more. There's something more here. 
than meets the eye. And what I'm reading in the mainstream media, and I just need to follow up with the story more and find the truth for myself. It reminds me of when I went to Sweden. I had a bunch of lefties saying, don't go. Don't cover what's going on in Sweden. I said, why? They said, it's fake. And I was like, okay, then I'll go there and say it's fake. No, don't go there. If you said it's fake, then what does it matter? And sure enough, I went to Sweden and found, for the most part, a lot of the more extreme rhetoric was fake. There were some problems. It wasn't really much of what, you know, it wasn't like extremists. A lot of people were saying it was. Why would journalists not want me to report? Take a look at this story. CNN didn't report. And so this individual, Gudrall, went there, found out CNN was lying. How about that? Gudrall said that when Rep. Rashida Tlaib, a Michigan Democrat, blamed the Trump administration for separating families at the border, she felt compassion for them. Now she wonders why that mother who brought her child through this harrowing experience, who really didn't need to, to leave where she was because there was no poverty, persecution or violence, should not be held accountable for putting her child through this. An illegal immigrant from Mexico, Maria Garcia, came to the U.S. to study, she said in the film. Maria said that she and, and other women and children were raped and abused by cartel members acting as coyotes, people who smuggle immigrants across the border. Maria said the cartel promoted a warped version of America, where everyone was successful and rich. She said the cartels sold her multiple times, sold her multiple times until a canine at the border was alerted to the car. Border Patrol agents found her and another woman in the trunk, she said in the film. Once she got to the U.S., she said she worked a job for $1.50 an hour, though it would pay an American worker just over six. She, she said she sent her wages back to her family on either side of the fence. Illegal immigration is a bad idea, period, Gudrall told the DCNF. She said no one wins except for the coyotes, the corporations, and maybe the politicians. Gudrall said the Americans need to do more to educate themselves on the issues. Americans need facts, she told the DCNF. She added that making America's forgotten, uh, the, the, the documentary, helped her decide who to vote for in the upcoming presidential election. A few months ago, I would have absolutely voted for Biden. I am actually going to vote for Trump which I never thought I would be saying. And it's because of what I found in the movie. Gudrall faced criticism from her family, friends, and the film industry for the documentary, she told the DCNF. I put my career on the line for this picture, and that's okay. She said the film crew voluntarily withheld any credits due to possible political backlash. I want to encourage other filmmakers to put out content that is more truthful to America, and you're not going to get it from Hollywood, and I can tell you that. Gudrall told the DCNF, if you don't support it, you're not going to see it. They said she will produce a new series called America First as a result of America's Forgotten, she told the DCNF. This is really fascinating stuff, but I'm not surprised. Some people tried to claim that they tried running this fake narrative. Lefty vice reporter goes to Sweden and gets red pilled. Oh, which is just not true. When I worked for Vice, I was on the ground in Morocco and Ukraine and Venezuela. I knew what was going on in the world. I covered, uh, uh, you know, Occupy Wall Street. I saw what was happening. But a lot of people wanted to play that narrative. And so they wanted to play it up like I went there and I was like, oh, you know, I was so shocked. And no, I actually said a lot of what the right was putting out there was incorrect. That there was like, you know, widespread chaos and, and terror and stuff like that. There's crime. But a lot of the crime in Sweden was due to uh, refugees from 20 years ago having kids. It's a very, very complicated issue. But I'll tell you what. What I learned from that is that unchecked and unfettered immigration hurts everyone, everyone, even the migrants. And if we really want to make sure we're helping these people, then what we need to do is make sure they come here, they sign up, 
They go through the process. Otherwise, they're going to be what? Wandering through a desert? It's like I said, I don't think anybody wants that, right? Now, of course, you have more extreme rhetoric coming from the far right about chaos and violence, and eh, you need to calm down, okay? Because I didn't find a whole lot of that up in up in Sweden. I did find gang violence, and that had a lot to do with refugees from 20 years ago. I, I, I shouldn't even say refugee. I'm sorry, that's, that's an incorrect term. It had to do with the children of refugees who were who felt like they weren't a part of, of Sweden, even though they were born there. Or it spent most of their lives there. And that's the issue of integration. That shows exactly why we need to make sure that when people come to our country, or any country, we can say, here's the best place for you. What was happening was that people were forming enclaves. They would all move to the same place and then not interact with the rest of Sweden and have limited access to resources. Their kids would be born and, and be fluent in their home language and not the language, not, not Swedish, though, or they would be fluent in Swedish, but they would sound like they had an accent and they would be called immigrants. And then they couldn't find jobs. And Sweden's particularly racist, if you ask, if you ask me, for that reason. And so it just created serious tr- problems for everybody involved. Now, the bigger picture here is, will regular people see this? And will Democrats see this and change their vote? Maybe. I'm willing to bet that the, the rise of the internet is changing votes from Democrat to Republican as we speak. And it has been over the past several years. We're about two weeks out. I guess we'll see how it affects the election. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.